Hi, welcome. This is Mortality and Tea. I'm your host, Amy Manning. This is a show where we explore our own experience of death in hopes that we find a more rich and juicy life. Today on the show, we have one of my dear oldest friends. Her name is Jamie Phoenix Foster. She lives in Olympia, Washington with roots in Texas and Ohio. She moved to Washington in 2017 to pursue her passions of herbalism and conscious dreaming. In 2018, she completed a 17-year training as a dream ambassador, learning to navigate the many realms of dreaming for healing and soul recovery. Today, she teaches online conscious dreaming courses and facilitates healing sessions for soul recovery and personal empowerment. She is also a certified herbalist specializing in plant medicines of the Pacific Northwest. Welcome to the show. Here's our conversation. Mortality and Tea with Amy. Well, thank you for being on the show, Phoenix. How are you doing today? I'm good. Really good. Yeah. Good. Glad to be here. And you're all the way in Washington. Yes. In the West Coast. Mm-hmm. How's it doing in Washington today? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. We had a thunderstorm roll in this morning. Mm-hmm. And it's been real soft, peaceful rain most of the afternoon. Perfect day for a cup of tea and a conversation with a dear friend. Yes, yes. So for the viewers, Phoenix is a a very old friend of mine. We've known each other since high school. And um, I'm really honored to have you on the show today. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show with me. This really means a lot to me. Um, (laughs) Phoenix and I have uh, quite a bond through death as Death has been our gift in our life to each other. It's, it's been something that's held us together in a way. So. Helped us grow. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, do, you, do you have your cup of tea? I do. What kind of tea are you drinking? Chaga tea, of course. <laughs> yes. The tea of mortality. <laughs> oh, beautiful! Yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive right in. Are you ready? I am. Go ahead. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little something about yourself? I'm a professional oneironaut, and I figured that you would be like, "What is an oneironaut?" Um, oneironautics is the study of the dream realm. And it's a word that I just love. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great word, onironaut. Onironaut. And I can officially say that now because I just completed my first online course, six-week course, with 22 students who went all the way through to the end. And um, it's been an accumulation of a life's work. It's actually what I did with my um, senior thesis in college at Antioch University, um, where I graduated in 2009. So all this time, but I really originally began working with Robert Moss, who's been mm-hmm. my teacher um, in the dreaming realm since 2006. 
Um, so the passion was already there when I started going to Antioch. And so since they allow you to design your own major, that's, I wrapped it around dreaming and I've been doing it ever since. And I'm finally, you know, I feel like a little bit like, uh, the mama Phoenix kicked me out of the, out of the nest and was just like, fly, you're supposed to do this now. And as we've moved into quarantine, all of the work that I had previously done, um, and with my friend who's also doing this work and had established um, her online presence already, mm-hmm. just very easily we were able to um, take flight, basically. We started teaching the classes, and yeah, we just finished, like I said, six weeks of the first course, and people have been telling me it was life-changing and um, very empowering, and that's what it's all about, is yeah. harnessing the power of your dreams for personal empowerment. That's great. Yes. Congratulations with that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that, you know, because it's such a big part of my death experience. Okay. Um, and how? How so? Well, the reason why I started working with Robert Moss in the first place. So 2006. Let's see. <clears throat> when did Carrie when did Carrie pass? 1993. Carrie's your twin sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Carrie, yes, is your twin sister. Your best friend. Yeah, my was my best friend, is my best friend. I still feel her presence very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first, and then six months later, my mom passed. <clears throat> and so after that, well, my, you know, I was 17, so my world was completely tossed. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know whether I was coming or going and what was up or down and had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know myself, much less anything about this reality. Mm-hmm. But I do know that I started having really powerful dreams. And I've always been a strong dreamer ever since I was a little kid. Um, but, like, in particular, like, I, I remember several times and it hasn't happened for a while and I invite it anytime you wish universe to bring me a sweet dream of Carrie we -hmm. would just hang out in my dreams Mm -hmm. we'd go ice skating we would go walking in the woods we would go to the mall we would do whatever you know and I would wake up with this real visceral sense of having actually been with her okay and and then that also started happening with my mom Mm -hmm. and um you know, I just, I cherished those dreams. They actually got me through because it would be so sweet, you know, and and sad in a way to wake up and be like, oh, back, back to this, this dream. Mm. In my worldview, this is also a dream. You know, we are always dreaming. Yes. So this is part of your part of, yes, part of your, your beliefs, your path. Yes. That we're in a dreaming world here. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started having some dreams fr- about my mom where she was giving me information that I needed, mm-hmm. information that was intentionally being withheld from me um, around money and things that at 17, I didn't have a lot of control over. And as it evolved, and then I became an age where I could have a say in what was happening, it was being intentionally um, withheld. I don't want to say manipulated, but it was more like just being withheld. And so I started having these dreams from my mom where she keeps telling me about trust was the word trust. 
And then <clears throat> fund was another word. And it took me a little while to put it together, you know? So I, then I call up my dad and I said, dad, you know, I have this dream. I'm really in a bad pinch. <clears throat> about to have to drop out of school. My car's about to be repoed. You know, I'm, I need some help financially. I had this dream. Mom said she, that there's some money in the dream. She's telling me there's some money. Is this true? And my dad just choked all over it. You know, he, well, yeah, it's true, but you know, you don't need that right now. I can help you out. So, and that's how that went. And then I thought it just blew my mind. Now, aside from what was happening, like that piece blew my mind. My mom came through to the other side to tell me something very important, which turned out to be true. Wow. <laughs> I was like, how is this happening? So, um, then synchronicities, as um, they would say, um, it was shortly thereafter that I um, took my first workshop with Robert Moss. Okay. And, um, and we started working with dreams. Mm -hmm. And one piece of that is um, working with dreams of the departed, um, which can go, you know, pretty deep, a lot of direct communication. Um, it's, I would even say that some people who are gifted um, in order to like people who track missing people, remote viewing, that sort of, of gift yes. is <clears throat> accessible through the dream time. It's part of, it is part of the dreaming. Okay. It's a natural ability that all humans have mm -hmm. if we are able to, um, you know, nurture it and yes. help it to grow. Okay. So, so yes. So it's, so the work I'm doing in the world is very much related to the trauma that I experienced, um, around death and the awakening that that caused in me. Yes. Um, and I think you may, you might agree with me on this piece that like the pain of losing people who are that close to you is so I mean like what you were saying earlier how you felt like you were you know tripping out after your dad died yeah the fabric of reality becomes very thin yes um and also I think our bravery picks up quite a few notches because why not <laughs> you know it's like let's do these things and find it out and if we're gonna be here then I want to know what's going on Right. Yeah. Yes. Kind of, I love this term of leaning into it. Um, for me, in my experience, it was, I could either lean into this really uncomfortable space of grief, or I could busy myself and pretend it's not there and do the crying and everything over here. But this doesn't, this isn't real, you know, this being all of that pain of the grief. I'm doing a grief over here in a sense, but I started to lean into that space, which is a really, a very painful space, but where it is, it's like this awakening where it's like this veil is coming through and um, yes. So I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it really has been a gift. Um, I wish I, I would love to do a, a whole episode or even a whole season of this show around grief because you and I could talk for, I'm sure, a very long time about grief. It is, um, it's a gift. It's a gift that we don't do very well in this culture. So, yeah, <laughs> we could really dive into that one. Oh. But so dreaming has been um, 
part of your connection with this, mm -hmm. with your relationship with death. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and the things that I've learned um, by working and using discipline around dreaming and, and the dream time um, is that there's many different dimensions mm -hmm. and that life absolutely goes on after this. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you know, there are schools, you know, the Egyptians, for instance, would train for their entire lives for that moment of death, which is one of your questions that you asked about. Mm -hmm. That moment of death to hold that lucidity, to be awake inside the dream. And in order to have that lucidity at the moment of your death, it, you really need to have a discipline with your dreaming in the waking life. And the more that you work on that so that you can have lucidity within your, you know, as a tool, you know, that you can, that you are regularly waking up within the dream in your regular life, then at that moment of death, with that lucidity, you can make the choices of where you're going to go. You know, and I know that that's one of your questions, though. So I'll hold back on some. Well, let's, well, let's go there. What, as you take your final okay. breath, um, as you're, you are, as you are in this space, your body is preparing. Your body is in the active phase of dying. You've taken your, your, you're taking your final breath. What does that? And that goes into um, what do you believe happens after this life? So maybe we can marry these two questions together it seems like that's where it's going with you is this sure right yeah sure. we kind of we kind of just dove right in so you, sure. you, you how however you want to steer this mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you or you know let's go into that what is your ideal death experience then ideally i would like to know that to see it coming so i have a little bit of time to prepare mm -hmm. um um, I would like for it to be <clears throat> as comfortable and at ease as possible. Um, with as little drama as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want it to be smooth and peaceful. Do you want any smells in the room? Yeah, I would love, I would love for someone to be burning copal maybe singing that would be lovely singing me soft singing to me softly um one of the things that i didn't put on on my bio um is that i'm also a kundalini yoga instructor mm. um and i i thought after i'd sent it to you that it's important because the three of those really work together the the dreaming the herbalism and then the the yoga um as someone who has been a survivor of some pretty significant trauma, I have a hard time being present in this life, being present in this body. It's real easy for me to go into the dream world and to check out, mm -hmm. but to be physically present, you know, requires some dedication mm -hmm. and yoga helps me with that a lot. Um, Kundalini yoga in particular really teaches about how our spirit rides on the breath and that breath, the prana empowers everything. Mm -hmm. So we come in on that first breath and we go out on that first breath. Mm. Uh, and then they also have some beautiful mantras around. Okay. So uh, in their teaching and like the chic teaching, when you leave your body, there's this journey that you go on and um, they sing these beautiful chants called Nakal. And the Akal 
helps you to navigate out to find that light beam and get to find your way out of the earth plane. Um, and I love that. So if there were, you know, and it probably, I know it will happen within my community, spiritual community there, there's a really tight fabric and I know they will be all a calling and it doesn't matter whether you are in the room or not. Those mm-hmm. calls send those prayers up, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I also really like, I, I respect and understand that you don't, you don't call that person you know, you don't call them back in for a while. Maybe some traditions actually don't speak their name for mm-hmm. like 90 days because mm-hmm. they're, you know, the unique that Greg and I were talking about this when we reviewed the questions mm-hmm. that at that moment of death, especially if it's traumatic and you didn't have time to prepare for it, mm-hmm. could be really hard for souls to walk away from that body. Mm-hmm. And let's say like after a car accident and your body is just, you, you're obviously not, you can't get back in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it can be hard to walk away from your loved ones in your life. So that's part of the, I think, the intention behind not really speaking their name for a little while so that they can get through the gates and not, not hear you calling them back. Like, they, you know, right. that, um, so I, I believe that and I, I, I can see that. That would be really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd also to really like to be close to nature not near a lot of man-made things you know at home is fine but if for some reason like I was in a hospital I would I would want my family to take my body outside you know Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's a real important you know ability to leave with nature kind of supporting and holding you because ultimately that's you know we came from it and we return to it you really value nature and your relationship with with mother earth yes yes okay yeah would you want anybody to hold you or touch you or as you're preparing for your final breath i would like that i would like someone to hold my hand Mm -hmm. like i said basically singing to me I really like that idea of the singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially being someone who's, you know, just some of my experiences with healing. I've had uh, quite a few curanderas um, that I've worked with, um, Mexican um, healers, who the songs are just so powerful, that vibration. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would like that. Okay. Um any sights in the room, anything to look at, or if you were outside, well, if you were outside, you would want to be looking at different plants and earth, I suppose, if you were outdoors. Um, Any other sights you could think of, things that you would want to see? Greg and Luna's face, Mm. their faces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Yeah. Okay. So as your your ideal death experience, you are preparing for your final breath. Mm-hmm. You are wanting some chants, possibly um, Kundalini. Um, you are wanting somebody to sing softly to you, maybe hold your hand, um, some Copal or something burning. Um, and to see Greg and Luna's face. I might've already said that. 
But so now your body is in the active phase of dying and you're taking your last breath and it is now your last breath in this human form and your body is gone. Is there anything you would want done with your body in that moment right after with your family doing anything with your body or, or anything like that? Um, well, I know that after experiencing a number of deaths, um, I would like it to be as, as little drama and as little trauma little drama and as little trauma and that's every day not just that day but you know <laughs> that's possible um i would like somebody who's pretty um emotionally stable and strong to find me to be that one and like i said if i if i'm in a hospital i'd like to be taken outside i'd like to have that some kind of connection to nature but otherwise i'm not too concerned about it um <clears throat> i'm more excited about and intrigued and preparing for what what comes next mm -hmm. and uh, it, greg and i had a lot of fun talking about this just a little a little while ago um because it is so related to dreaming and because it is part of the great mystery and because i am certain that i have done this before and so you know i want to get it right <laughs> so, yeah um tell me more about this uh we were talking about earlier with the lucidity um as your just tell me more about that we were talking about that the lucidity and you had brought up some egyptian um, well have you have you ever had a dream where you were where you knew you were dreaming a lucid dream yes yes mm -hmm. so that that is the goal to have that lucidity um, and so one of the ways that, that we practice this, um, that does come from the Egyptian school of dreaming, mm -hmm. um, is that we regularly re-enter our dreams. So we intentionally dream with consciousness. Okay. Uh, and so this is a way of practicing and preparing for this and, and helps you, uh, maintain that lucidity in your nighttime dreams also. Um, so when you for people who have never experienced this um you basically let's say you had you know a, a simple nighttime dream mm -hmm. um and it but it was vivid and you remember a place and you know some things that happen well you you basically get really comfortable and you use meditation you can use some people use drumming some people use rattles some people you know just eventually you get to where you don't need those tools you just can kind of slide in and out of it mm -hmm. but you re-enter that space consciously and you allow it to replay in your mind like a like a, a video or a movie uh, but you walk through it again slowly, maybe forwards and backwards. You yes. get more information. You ask characters questions. You see if you can change things. And there are some some common rules to the dream world. Just like there are physical rules here, there are rules in the dream world. Um, and there are like most dreams you can change things but you can't change all things like you can't change lights that's always a good one um, mm -hmm. that's a good way to get yourself lucid it like in a dream if you go to try to turn on a light and it won't turn on well then there's your signal and, and that can immediately give you the lucidity mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> 
so one way to train yourself, like that's a different topic. Maybe I shouldn't go into all that of how to get there, but you want to use some tools to practice getting yourself lucid inside the dream. Okay. Um, and, and just working with the nighttime dreams, our, our higher selves, our, um, ancestors, our dearly departed, um, our guides are always working with us in the dream time. We are absolutely co-creating this reality. Um, and you know, I've had, I've heard multiple accounts of people who also will dream of, of place, mm -hmm. uh, where they've been contacted by, um, spirits or ancestors who, um, need to get a message through to that time, you know, and you're the most available easy, you know, person who is actually dreaming. So here's a dream, right? Mm -hmm. So in a lot of cultures who were really paying attention to the, these things and honoring them, you know, would, had given them tools to, to use, like, what do you do with this? How do you share this within your community and work with it? Yes. Um, and if you were really good at it, you would become, you know, the, the community shaman, that's really a, a Western word, but the medicine person or, um, mm -hmm. psychopomp is the word the Egyptians would use to refer to someone who's trained in the dreaming, who is a dream healer. Okay. And so, yes, yes. So these, and these practices get you ready and they, not only do they get you ready, but they also create healing. So when something happens to us that's traumatic, like, for instance, you know, like a, a shared experience for us is when we lost Carrie, that was very, very traumatic. Mm -hmm. And when something is more than you can handle emotionally, um, many, many people experience what is known as soul loss. So a part of your soul actually going into another dimension is the best way I can describe it going into their own dream not coming back like this is too painful I can't be here you know um and so one of the things that I'm trained to do is to go into the dream time in this conscious way to help people locate those missing parts and bring them back and integrate them into their lives mm -hmm. it's hugely powerful work yeah um, it's just it can it's so empowering it's so good Yes. And, um, and I would not have this gift had I not had to experience soul shattering grief mm -hmm. myself, you know, mm -hmm. pull myself out of it by my bootstraps. Yes. So, so yeah. So you'll be, so in your ideal experience with death, as you're laying on your deathbed, you will be going through these processes of your lucidity and you'll be doing from what I'm hearing you say, you'll be doing work, healing, yeah. healing, trying to create a lucid dream, if you will, and preparing your soul. Would you call it a soul for the departure of the body? Okay. okay. I would, I think probably while I'm laying there, I'm just going to be swimming in my love for okay. you know this particular lifetime. Okay. My guess is we do, you know, and I, I'm, my understanding is there's a review period, you know, that's part of that, a call, like the, you know, period where you're, you're going through some gates, you know, um, both the Egyptian book of the dead, um, and the Poplavu, the Mayan book of the dead talk about some of these gates. And those are both, Amy, you would probably enjoy both of those. Exploring. Yeah, I'm writing down. I'm going to pick your brain for some books when we're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And they're, you know, they're old texts, so they're kind of thick to swim through, but worth it. Um, I suppose the, the listeners might be interested in any of these books, so yeah. them if you want. Sure. Yeah, well, the Pope Levu is, is a, it's a very, it's basically like the Mayan Book of the Dead, and it talks of the Mayan underworld and um, the, the gates and the spirits that you encounter there. Um, mm-hmm. And the Egyptian Book of the Dead, similarly, is to get you prepared for these gateways. Okay. Um, you know, like, you know, you often see the symbol of, of the, the scales is your heart light as a feather. Mm. And that speaks of regrets. You know, uh. I think it's a real gift in a way <clears throat> to see your death coming, which we all do. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all going to die, you know, yes. but to have a little bit of, you know, if you have a ter- terminal illness and you can prepare a little bit, I think maybe that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't done previous work, you know, to get ready. It, you do the work. You either do it while you're living or you would do it on your bed while you're dying. And it's hard work. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be very scary for some people when they're laying on their deathbed to do it. It's very intense. So for me, I'd rather do it now while I'm living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yes. I, I oh, think yeah. that's, oh, wow. that's what it's all about. So you're here to prepare to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone who survived some really, really, you know, intense stuff as a, as a child, I, I went through many years of feeling suicidal. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. another thing that, that I've mm-hmm. worked through, you know, within this work is that it doesn't, you're just going to do it again, but you mm-hmm. know, the process of getting a body takes a lot of effort and it's not something to be, you know, taken lightly. It's like, make the most of it while you're here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we touched a little bit on the afterlife or after death. What are your beliefs around what happens after you die? So you've taken your last breath and your body is left behind what happens with you your essence your soul your spirit hmm. well i guess that is the great mystery isn't it mm. the great question yes mm-hmm. i don't know that's a great answer <laughs> i don't know but i'm not i'm not afraid and i'm actually a little bit excited mm. and i think you know, and I think that's a gift for any of us who have experienced um, extreme grief around losing loved ones who are close to us. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like I've always had one foot in the other world ever since starting with Carrie, you know, mm-hmm. part of me has always wanted to be there. Mm. And so any way that I could explore it deeply, you know, and find out more information you know, and that's the beautiful thing about the great mystery of this life is that one question always leads to another. And um, the mystery just goes on and on and clearly taking many lifetimes to figure it out. Mm-hmm. One question always leads to another. Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> um, so my next question then, um, which I actually got these last two questions from you, uh, which kind of stem from Robert Moss. And these were great questions. So I thank you for that, my friend, as I've been doing this journey with this show. Um, but is, it's uh, the two questions about regrets. So what do you regret 
not having done in your life at this moment? If you were to die today, would there be a regret that you have of not doing something? I guess I would be sad that I didn't get to go to Egypt with Luna, but um, because I've totally dreamed that we have before she even entered my life. Like I know she's my... Your beautiful uh, two-year-old Yeah, that's going to be special. But then the other thing is, like, I have been, they, Greg knows this already, it's like, my my final wish would be to be cremated, and then for them to take my ashes on some epic adventure that I would want to go on, right? And if I haven't gone to Egypt with her yet, then Egypt will work, but <clears throat> if I have, then anywhere else, you know, go on a jungle safari, go to the Galapagos Islands or something, you know, something epic. So, yeah. And is there a moment you regret in your life or do you have any regrets? I don't really. And it's, you know, I don't say that lightly because it was hard ass work. (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah um I don't really have regrets but I do have some wishes I wish that um that my mom had been embodied longer because I lost her so young you know and so there were there's been a lot of big gateways that um that I've, of course, had a lot of amazing, powerful, strong people in my life to help me move through some gateways. But I definitely have, there's always, there's always the longing and the missing. But, and another piece uh, on that, that I'd like to share for anybody who's watching this, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're finding yourself thinking, I don't dream. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't ever remember my dreams. I don't dream. Mm -hmm. You really look back almost everyone I've never met anyone who can't remember any dream at some point in their life you've had a dream mm-hmm. and if you can remember what that last one was what that big dream was that is a signal of soul loss so sometimes what will happen is if a dream you know is bringing us significant healing or message mm-hmm. and we are unable to we don't work with it Maybe it's too much. We close it down and we push it out. Um, Then the dreams will stop. Mm. And some of the biggest healings that I've I've been um, blessed to participate in have been using those old dreams to go back to that part, that point in that, in the evolution of your, of your human to find why did you stop dreaming? you know, to find that soul loss regarding, you know, regarding that. So anyway, food for thought for anyone who's, watching if you feel like yes uh, great info great (laughs) thank you yes thank you those are the questions that I had is there anything else that you want to share about your own death experience or your own beliefs about death before we wrap up I guess I would just share how important it is to um to keep doing the work, mm-hmm. you know, if you have regrets around the way you treated someone, apologize. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're, if you miss somebody, call them. If they're gone, do something to honor them. Yeah. Just turn. That's that turning towards this, 
the the void like we had spoken of earlier yes leaning into that space that hurts leaning into the space and giving it action and that's another thing that we practice within the dreaming is if you have a really beautiful dream to pick something physical do, to do to honor that. Mm. And um, that's the thing about the physicalness is that like as the grief moves through us, mm-hmm. if it doesn't have a, a proper expression, um, it can make us sick and it gets stuck there. And so when we do something, you know, even something simple, like, like I love the, the day of the dead ceremony in Mexico, which yes. is really about honoring, yes. you know, their ancestors and they celebrate, you know, they might, you know, their grandmother, they might build a beautiful altar to her and make her favorite treats that she likes and fill the whole thing with cakes and cookies and colorful flowers and, you know, acts like that expressions of the heart, um, bring healing and allow that stuck energy to move through. Yes. So being, doing an action with that is what I heard you say in action. Mm-hmm. And I will add to, to what you said too, is that in my own studies on death is, and we had just touched on this earlier, is that we will do the work. We will do it, whether we do it in our life and get a chance to really feel the fruit of that labor or we do it on our deathbed or we don't get a chance to do it. And maybe we have to come back and do it again. I don't know. Um, but it, there is a lot of fruit to the labor of doing that work of mm. wrapping up loose ends or apologizing or taking that trip or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It has a place it belongs and it, it does mm-hmm. have it has closure to it. <laughs> and, don't, and don't wait, you know, like if you find some little treasure and you want to give it to someone and you're like, I'm going to stick it in my closet and wait till Christmas, give it to them right now. Christmas is not promised, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. another thing that I really realized. And I, I just live it to the fullest, take mm-hmm. the chance, quit the job, move, speak mm-hmm. your voice, do your stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, move yeah. out there. So that at the end, when you're laying there in that review period, you're going to be like, all right, yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this was such a fun and beautiful conversation. I hope you all have enjoyed it just as much as I have. I learned so much from each and every one of these conversations that I have with all of these guests that we've had so far. And I want to really extend my gratitude to Jamie Phoenix Foster and her family. Um, Also for all the other interviews I've done so far, uh, I really have so much gratitude to the persons who have taken their time to share their very vulnerable experience. And um, I want to thank their families for helping and, um, and for giving their time as well as uh, we explore this topic of our own death. Um, as far as this conversation went with, with Phoenix today, Jamie Corson, Phoenix Foster, um, I love it. She said, one question always leads to another. And that isn't that so true with life. I always, I tell my daughters a lot, ask a lot of questions, be curious in this life always keep asking questions it's how we find more curiosity more fulfilling lives more juiciness so with that ask some questions 
explore your own death. By all means, have a cup of tea. Thank you. Goodbye. Mortality and Tea with Amy.